podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome back to the Celtic State of Mind Bulletin. Um, you're joined today by myself, Colin Watt, and Amy Canavan. Amy, how are you doing? I'm great, Colin. How are you? Uh, it's, uh, I'm still a bit surprised, if I'm, I'm perfectly honest. It is no longer Groundhog Day. I, I was not. going on about this on Sunday at the at the end of the game. It just feels as if it's Groundhog Day over and over again. But uh, it's, it's the, the period is now over. The chapter in this book has been closed and we move on, Neil Lennon is no longer the Celtic manager. What was your thoughts when you heard that news last night? It's a funny one, isn't it? Um, last night, obviously, it breaks and you hear that, that Lennon's going to be leaving within the, within the 24 hours. Um, it sort of suggested, obviously, that right from the off that Kennedy and Strachan will remain. And I think that sort of taints it. I think Tony Haggerty said it this morning. It is bittersweet. Um, and yeah, you've said it there now that, right, this is the rebuild starting now and the chapter's closed. I don't know. I don't see the chapter being closed with Kennedy and Strachan still there. I am... Um, I understand if they're just wanting to see out this season. I think I'll just say to you off there that now, obviously, the club have came out in their statement and they have said that Kennedy is in charge. They never said until if it's until the end of the season if it's for all these eight games. Um, again, it's poor wording. It's that sort of pacifying that we've, we've sort of discussed all season from the club, but I really that suspect that they've not really gave a complete um, 
sort of statement. Not really. But yeah, it's a tough one. Like, at the end of the day, a man has lost his job. And I feel for him in the sense that this is, it is a, Lennon's the, the man in charge, obviously, but it's a team effort here, and it very much is a team effort. And Kennedy and Shakin are part of that problem. It doesn't look like a team to me if they're continuing the job without him. There's not a lot of unity there, um, and it, just, it doesn't reflect very well in the club, I feel. Yeah, and it's not a surprise that the club's coming out and saying, basically, like, they're kind of dancing around things. They did this with the January review. They've did this with different things this season where they've not fully told you what's going on. But we're in the scenario now where we know, at least for the game on Saturday, that John Kennedy will be in charge. And we're going to discuss uh, what that means for potentially some players uh, coming back into the frame now that Lennon is gone. Uh, But first, uh, we're going to take a look at Neil Lennon's time in charge. It's almost two years exactly to the day of his appointment um, when Brendan Rodgers left to go and take the Leicester job. Obviously, the feeling at the time... Um, was that Neil Lennon was coming in to sort of save what was the rest of the season, to guide us towards the, the treble treble, and he would be in on a temporary basis. Unfortunately, he's like that pal that you have over, and after a couple of days, you just kind of wait to get rid of him. Um, and that's the way Neil Lennon's tenure sort of ended here at Celtic. Some interesting stats across his time. 110 games in the second spell. 77 wins, 17 draws and 16 defeats, giving him a win percentage record of 70%, which is almost identical to the uh, win percentage the first time out. He, his win percentage in his first spell as manager was 70.04 compared to 70.0 dead. So, I mean, you can say consistency was there, um, but when it was the end of his his period the first time out, we all knew it was time for him to move on and this time round it's all the same so I think if you go back to that period when he was appointed after the treble treble in May I think quite a few fans had a a rough idea of where this was going to go Yeah I think so Um, I think there was some of us maybe I I think perhaps maybe the younger generation and obviously then I include myself in that that we were maybe a little bit blinded for it I'm 20, Neil Neil Lennon is Celtic to me Um, he's just always there, thereabouts Um, as a player, as a coach in the back like my first manager I sort of remember is Gordon Strachan, obviously Lennon's part of that then it's the Mowbray times, so Lennon very much is Mr Celtic to me Um. And yeah, there there will be people who saw that coming. I was probably a little bit more optimistic in the sense I thought it it was always sort of like a, a back a back step from from Rogers. I wasn't that naive, but I just thought it was a bit of stability. And again, I'm quite I don't know, I'm quite romantic in that sense that it was nice that I thought right, Lennon's going to start the the ten and Lennon, Lennon will get to finish the ten. And I just thought I like that story. I'm all for a nice story. So um, yeah, probably. For club wise and and certain other things, that wasn't the right move. But yeah, there will be a lot more um, a better, well versed set of fans probably would have saw this coming. I just remember um, going to the the cup final against Hearts, and to be honest, back then we weren't in the best of form. Even in his sort of tenure when he was temporary in charge, you were kind of stumbling towards the the league title. Um, and when Hearts went one went one up, I was like, well, we are going to struggle here. Um, I remember standing next to my, my big pal Johnny and he was just, he, he didn't see any route for us getting back into that cup final. Um, and then the the kind of the joy and the adulation of 
the the final and winning the cup and the treble treble, you're just thinking that was the perfect time for him to say, I've done my bit here, it's time for me to move on. But then he was given the job basically right after the game. And I remember we all headed back to the Gallagate for what was meant to be the, the bus parade. And when that news broke, you could see amongst quite a few Celtic fans that they knew that was the wrong decision. They tried to just go on and make the most of that day because of the enormity of what had just happened. But even even Rangers fans knew back then that Neil Lennon wasn't the man for the job. Now, he did well in his first season last year, but there were still points in that period where you're thinking, you can see why he's not that kind of manager that we need here at Celtic. The performance against Dunfermline in the League Cup, the, the games against Rangers um, towards the, the second half of the spell. If you look at that, those 16 defeats that he's had, four of those have been against Rangers. That's a, a lot. I mean, you look back to the Brendan Rodgers era, um, and I don't, I can't remember a time. Did Brendan Rodgers ever get beat off Rangers? The one at Christmas to get beat uh, 2 1 on Christmas? Yeah, once. In the New Year game. And then you've got Lennon coming in and losing four times. And just going through the, the list of defeats Fenwick, Barros, Rangers four times, St Mirren, Ross County twice, Copenhagen, AC Milan twice, Sparta Prague twice. Livingston and twice to Cluj. Now, obviously, a lot of those games are in Europe, but we are trying to put ourselves forward as a, a team that can compete in Europe. And the teams that we lost to there, we should have never lost to them. Well, not not all of them. AC Milan, you can almost understand, but teams like Fenix Varos, Cluj, Sparta Prague, and it was the reserves basically that we played the first time out. So, I think this has been long coming. Um, yeah, just Lewis Laird coming in to confirm that it was the once Ryan Jack scoring with their goal of the season uh, back then. Now, yeah, we, we're now at a period where we have to look to the future, but we, we should still look back um, and think about some of the, the good times that we've had because it's not all been bad. There has been some good memories. Uh, Paul likes to bring up the fact that I was in Rome. I just got to say, come on, you were in Rome. Go on, talk about it. <laughs> um, and... There's, uh, there's been other games. I mean, I remember the very first game when he, stayed, he came back in, just after Brendan Rodgers had left and we were at Harps um, playing at Tynecastle and scoring in the last minute with Edward. Moments like that you'll remember, but as we got towards the end of this spell, they've become few and far between and it was starting to feel a bit stale and a time for a bit of freshness. Amy, what did you know um, this season that this was it, this was his time, he was ready to, to go. I don't think I've had, um, like you say, you've had the Ferran Cavers moment, um, Paul had the halftime at, um, at Aberdeen. I honestly cannot like pinpoint a game. Um, I think it was just sort of like, it was, there was the aftermath, the Rangers, um, there was the Ross County, there was Sparta Prague, there was just sort of, there was never... I can't pinpoint the exact moment. Again, I think I was a little optimistic. Um, and I'm seeing the comment, comments coming in, sorry. I am, yeah, I am probably um, quite naive in the sense that I am quite just accustomed to, to winning. Um, and that is blissful ignorance, to be honest with you. And I'm just sort of partial to success. Um, 
So I've always been optimistic in the sense that, oh, it's fine, we'll turn it around because we always seem to turn it around. So I think it was probably the St. Johnston draw for me. Um, I know that's later than a lot of people and I've highlighted just a few moments there before that. But the St. Johnston draw, it was sort of in the midst of a lot of draws and we, we scraped the draw, we really did. Um, I think it was mm-hmm. just at the start of December. But um yeah, that was the moment for me where I thought, I don't see us getting back from this. But then you look at things... Um, Sort of like the month of January, you you look at going at the Rangers game. I did probably think that the the league was done by then, but you go right. We've put on a performance here. We've got a few games in hand. There was a fair amount of points up for for grabs, and, and we sort of bottled it there again. So there's always been like that tiny little slither of optimism, and I was not like a. I'm not saying that I thought oh just until last week they would still win the league, but I think the moment for me was the St Johnston game for sure. That I just thought we're not getting out of this. We're not getting out of this at all. And I think perhaps at that point, quite a few people would have said that Neil Lennon's lost the dressing room. Um, And then we we go on a bit of a run um, just recently, five games, one in a row, and then you lose to Ross County. But the thing about this season was, and someone will confirm what the actual numbers were, we never had a settled side at all. We were always chopping and changing, whether it be the formation, the players, and we gave too many players far too many opportunities. Um, I mean, the performances from players this season has been really poor. You take a look at someone like, and somebody's, I know people's going to comment here, you take a look at Ryan Christie this season. His performances have been so subpar to the point of where fans are, are happy for him to move on. It came to the point where Celtic didn't even tweet out his birthday on Monday. They only put it on Instagram because they knew what the reaction was going to be to it. What a shock. <laughs> but then it's not the it's not he's not the only one this season. Jeremy Frimpong goes on to move to Bayer Leverkusen. And if you've seen any of his performances since he's moved there, some of the crosses that he's putting over, it's, it's what we were screaming out for when he was in the Celtic side. There's a lot of players that have definitely regressed in that time um, since Lennon's came in. And to be honest, everyone knew his time was up. But for me, the biggest surprise was now. Why now? Why not weeks ago? Why not months ago when it could have had the chance to change this season around? Why wait until, was it eight games to go now? Yep. When we know the league is over. Why now? And that, that's a question I'll put out to you. Why now? Why now when just at the weekend there he says, or Monday morning, whatever day it is, he comes in and says, Yeah, I'm here for the rebuild. I, I can I'm I'm gonna lead this rebuild. We can we can get going again. The timing is absolutely shocking. Um I can I think it's just a laughing stage now. You just have to look at um like you see the amount of moments that there could have been why now eight games to go and, that, and this is what I'm pulling back to that it's not really the start of the rebuild because Kennedy and Strachan, Strachan sorry, are still there so the timing doesn't make sense you are just being complacent and you're seeing out these eight games is it a real statement is it really a statement sacking Lennon or Lennon resigning Lennon walking away whichever way you want to put it it looks better Celtic saying that they've not sacked them is it really a statement and a step forward if Kennedy and Strachan and the laptop are still in charge? <laughs> I personally don't see that. I would much rather have a complete washout from them and I'd have Stephen McManus step up. Of course, I don't want Celtic to go on and lose these eight, eight games. That's not happening. Of course, I want Kennedy and whoever will be leading. I want that to, um, I want success. I'm not 
I'm not denying that. But if McManus came in, you're thinking, right, youth team, at least there's going to be something. There's a bit of freshness. There's just a sort of, a, there's, um, there's a bit of a purpose to, the, to, to, your, to your answer, basically, to your question. There's a bit of a purpose that that's why now, because we're going to give these youngsters a bit of a go. But do you really see the team changing that much under Kennedy and Strachan? I don't, unless, like you say, I keep going back to this laptop, but unless there's some magic answer on there, then I don't see many things changing in these last eight games. I mean, it could be the reason um, that Neil Lennon came out the other day and said he couldn't disclose some of the issues behind the scenes. <laughs> Maybe the antivirus software on the laptop has expired. <laughs> uh, but no, Gavin Strachan's obviously had his chance so far this season. He had the two games. Now, obviously, he played um, with 13 players out of the squad. But was there anything in those two performances that suggested to you that he had any sort of tactical ability that can help Kennedy from now to the end of the season, if that's the route that we're going to go down? Personally, no. Um, and it's the same sort of stance that you're hearing Callum McGregor come out and ex-players as well. They're saying that they don't do tactics, right? Neil Lennon doesn't do tactics. But if Gavin Strachan does tactics then there's going to be some sort of tactics on the field. There just is because, well, if there's not, then that's another issue sort of thing. Um, but no, I never really saw anything that I thought, oh, I could really have him in charge. I wouldn't mind that. Again, I think it's an odd one. Um, I think Tony or, or Declan touched on it earlier. could have been Paul himself. Um, that um, Damien Duff came out and said that John Kennedy is one of the best coaches in the world or something like that. So yeah, maybe we don't know Ken- It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Kennedy, but over the last few years, including under Brendan Rogers, our defense has been our downfall. Now, mm-hmm. John Kennedy's always been the defense coach. 
there's something issue there's an issue there. Um so I don't know where he's getting these where Duff's getting these statements from. I'd take Damien Duff back in a heartbeat, of course. Um but this is some chance for, for John Kennedy to show that you see these qualities. But the only way he's going to do that is if he totally and utterly uproots what Lennon's done because there's something not going right there. And there's just it's just clear as day. Yeah, and if we take a look at John Kennedy, he was be, he's been a first team coach since twenty fourteen, since Ronnie Dyla was in charge. I'm not 100% sure he's a defensive coach. I'm sure I've heard a lot of people saying that, but I don't think it's ever been confirmed. I don't I think, think he now he is. That. Yeah, I don't think now he is, no, but um, under Rodgers, I'm sure he was. So, I mean, he's been here since 2014. He originally signed as a club scout back in 2010, um, led the development team for two seasons, uh, sorry, three seasons, and in those three seasons, they won the reserves title. Um, he also won cup doubles with the, the reserve team as well, winning the league and the, the Scottish Youth Cup. That does suggest to me that perhaps he has a better understanding of the youth players that are coming through. And we could be back in the scenario. And I go back to my first game ever at Celtic Park. And it was Celtic against Dundee United back in the year 2000. It was the year. It was the day that Henrik Larsson made his comeback. I think he had to play something like 20 minutes to get himself into the Sweden squad for the Euros. And that day, I think the average age of the players that were starting was around 18, 19. Unfortunately, Celtic have lost a lot of these young talents. We saw some of the, even the players that played against um, Hibs, guys like Cameron Harper, are supposedly moving on now in the summer. So there isn't the sort of amount of talent coming through now. But guys like Armstrong Okoflex, Karamoko Dembele... Um, other ones that are still at the squad, guys like Ewan Henderson, who was on the bench on Sunday. Do you think Kennedy might turn to some of these players to see what he's got? Um, and just basically, I mean, I think we can all admit now the season is over. It's just about seeing what you've got in that squad. Yeah, I absolutely hope so. Um, like you say, Ewan Henderson, he's been he's been around the team for a few years now. So yeah, of course he's still young, but he's not as it's not like injecting a name into the side that we've got no idea and we don't know what he can offer. But of course that's what you'd like to see. Um, like you say, obviously, I do still think even in playing these guys that you're going to have enough to um, to get second, and that's obviously the most important thing. But yeah, there has there just has to be a bit of a change just to prove that the sacking of Lennon was right. I think that more than anything, like there just has to be a little bit of a difference. There has to be a new angle to it. Like you say, inject something different. Um, I don't know if that means Griffiths starting or actually seeing a Yeti and Edward up top in a run. As long as we don't have three strikers sitting on the bench on Saturday, I'm more than happy. Yeah, and uh, Aberdeen. It's, I mean, they're on a bit of a bad run. I know they get the win at the weekend, but you know they always up their game any time that they play Celtic. It will be a difficult game, um, but it is perhaps a fresh start for some players. Guys like Lee Griffiths, as you were saying, maybe guys like Patrick Clamalla, guys like Albion Ayeti um, will get a chance to come in and see what they've got between now and the end of the season. Um, but a big thank you to everyone who's contributing so far. We are seeing all the comments coming in. Um, so if you are, give us a like we're getting very close to 10,000 subscribers so please do subscribe to us as well as you said earlier Amy, Paul was on at 9 o'clock this morning with uh, Declan McConville and Anthony Haggerty so if you haven't seen that one go back and take a look at that after the show has finished, I'm just looking through the comments here because there was something that we spoke about off air um, and Peter McSherry mortgages uh, that's not even a plug 
if you want a plug, you have to sponsor us. Get in touch with Paul. Um, sacked after the exact number of games as Mowbray. Is it coincidence or is there just a random 30-game break point for the board? That, that's a good point. If you look at the, the period when Mowbray was sacked as well, I think we were on a run of a couple of games, um, like a couple of wins, and then we lose to St Mirren. And that was what is known as the Mowbray moment. So oh, why was this the, the Lennon moment this time round? I have no idea. For a, it did look for a point that we were starting to win a couple of games. And I think the board, if they're brutally honest, would have wanted to see it out with Lennon until the end of the season. I think so. Um, I think, like you say, Ross County at the weekend, they really did throw a, a spanner in the works. Um why is it? Why is this the Mowbray moment, the Lennon moment? I don't know. I think we've referred to it um, for the past few weeks. Everyone's been going, that has to be the Mowbray moment, that has to be the Lennon moment. So I don't know if they picked a random date, if this is a nice day in the calendar for them. Does it suit press-wise? I have no idea. I, um, your guess is as good as mine's, it really is. Because um, like I say, there's, sort of, there's a severe lack of communication, there's severe... Differences, like you say, there's Lennon coming out saying, "Yeah, I'm ready for the rebuild." Was it all sort of like to build that up? Obviously, it breaks to the sun. There's just it's just a catalogue of disasters. I feel. And just going to go through some of the comments here. Martin Black saying Ross for the next manager. I'm not sure if he means Ross from Friends or Jack Ross. I think it will be Jack Ross. Um, and some of the other comments coming in, just saying. Benitez in now, spotted at the Blue Lagoon last night. I'm sure that was only takeaway going by the, the recent restrictions and don't take that as anything being serious, guys. That's a bit of a joke. But coming back to it, Amy, we look at some of the potential players, uh, sorry, potential managers that could be coming in. We've looked at the kind of recent odds. John Kennedy is currently the favourite. Now, just to break that down, the only reason John Kennedy is the favourite is if you manage, I think it's five or six games in a row, then you are paid out as the next permanent manager, even if you're only in on an interim basis. So I think the bookies are really confident that Kennedy will be here between now and the end of the season. Um, so if you look ahead to sort of next season and you look at some of the players that could be coming, sorry, some of the managers that could be coming in, obviously previously we've been linked with guys like Eddie Howe, uh, Rafa Benitez obviously been in the Blue Lagoon last night, um, I, I don't think Rafa will be anywhere near the Celtic job. Um, Eddie Howe, Mark Hughes has been previously mentioned um, alongside other people. I think it's Jim Orr um, who's really pushed for someone like Ralph Ranick. If you were the, um, if you had the responsibility of looking out for the next manager, who would you look for, and why would you try and bring that person in? What do you think they could offer? Again, Tony touched on it this morning. Um, it's all about aiming big. It really is. Worst they can say is no. Um, so yeah, I am looking at I'm looking at more Eddie Howe um, or Roberto Martinez. Now I think Martinez is a little bit of a stretch, and the only way that's really going to happen is obviously the Maloney connection. Um, obviously, Sean Maloney's still spending a lot of time over here. You see him doing a lot of punditry, and I think he's absolutely outstanding at that. So you can see that because I think through his punditry, you're really you're seeing him as the coach. You're seeing the coach Maloney come through. Um, He's really good at breaking things down and explaining things, maybe in layman's terms, but it's it's just basic. And to be honest, I think that's more than anything what Celtic need right now. So, yeah, I would be looking at a Howe or a Martinez. Again, it was a great point in touching earlier. Bringing in an international manager is going to be tough with obviously a tournament summer. Um, and it's going to be hard to pull somebody away from that, especially when you're in the number one job um, 
the number one country in the world, sorry, that job. Again, if, if it is Kennedy until the end of the season, you've just got to hope that while everything else sort of seems complacent, that the board aren't being complacent and searching for a manager. They have to be acting now. They have to be on the phone to Eddie Howe. They have to be saying, right, there's eight games here. Come and watch whatever you're, you're wanting access to. We can give you right now to really, to sort of not tie them down in the sense, but just bring that connection. Because if you wait till these eight games are over and you wait until this summer, then Crystal Palace, um, Crystal Palace job, maybe not Roy Hodgson, but Newcastle, obviously all these these managers are still in roles, but there will be shifts this summer. There will be. Um, big season down south. There's a lot of, um, there is a lot of talk of movements. And again, even championship clubs, you'll be looking at um, Preston's and Alex Neal, his sort of, there's there's rumours kicking about there. These guys will be looking at those jobs as well, the high end even in the championship. So it's not even just the premiership. Eddie Howe will be looking at those sort of roles. So you have to be acting now. Um, like I say, it all boils down to complacency. That is where the board have been this season. So you just have to hope that inroads are being made right now. And while this period of whatever you want to call it, transition, Kennedy time, whatever it may be, seeing it out, riding out the storm, they have to be working their backsides off behind the scenes. Um, and you'd like to hope that um, Dominic Mackay is playing a part in that as well. He did very well to hold that back there. I could see Thank what you were about you. to say. Um, <laughs> that is the, the student journalism, uh, the student journalist in you. And I'm actually going to speak to you in a minute about um, your podcast the other day, uh, the Soccer Supernova, for anyone that hasn't seen it. Your first guest was Jock Brown, uh, and when you look at it, he is probably the last person that's been in in that sort of director of football role. He wasn't officially the director of football, he was a sporting director. I know Kenny Dudley came in, but basically he was in as, he was looking over John Barnes, he was basically the manager at that point. Um, the news broke last night from Stephen McGowan, um, who has very good connections to Celtic, as a lot of people will know that Celtic have already been interviewing for the sporting director role. So there was changes afoot in the summer and it does look as if this has been moved forward. Do you think that will affect the kind of manager that we bring in in the summer? Can you see someone like Martinez, if that's the kind of person that you go for, working under a director of football or a sporting director? Or do you not think that he would want the responsibility for all the football going on at the club? I really don't know. It's a tough one when you look at the like the Martinez scenario because obviously right now he is in the um, an international an inter oh my god an international managerial role. Um, it was magic last week, wasn't it? Um, yeah. So it's a different. You, you come accustomed to different things. His players aren't all his players. Obviously, um, you're just you're only getting them for a short period of time. So maybe he would want to if he's coming back into club football. He'd want total control. Um, maybe that's something he searches after. Again, Eddie Howe, I, I don't know if that's something that you don't. These are only questions that they guys can answer. Um, touching back, like you say, to Jock Brown, obviously, like you say, he was general manager at Celtic at the time, and I did ask him if that sort of role was what was needed nowadays. Um, he wasn't too forward about it, um, and he was it was a little bit like the director of football role is it's it's sort of like trendy. I think that's sort of the way that he, he put it. Um, he spoke about it a fair bit um, off here as well. But I don't know if he, um, from his perspective, I don't know if he sees it as the best role at Celtic. And to be honest, I don't really either. Again, I think I'm just a little bit, you see it working in Germany. Um, yeah, I think... Um, 
again down south but I don't, I don't know if it'll work up here you, you look obviously over at Rangers there's obviously something going right but will it work here it, it does all depend on the manager who comes in and like you say I think it is only them who can answer that question if they would want total control of football or if they were them Yeah and I think that will certainly play a part in the kind of manager that you bring in I always thought that under the period of Ronnie Dyler he needed someone there I know he had John Collins working alongside him, but I always feel as if he needed an experienced head above him. I would have loved to have seen someone like Gordon Strachan or Martin O'Neill coming in to help someone like um, Ronnie Dyler because you could see he was a coach. He was getting the best out of the players. He wasn't comfortable in his environment to the fact of when things got tricky, there was no one else that he could turn to. He didn't really have... Um, that person that had the experience of being at Celtic. John Collins had been at Celtic, but it had been a while since he was last there. You're looking for someone that could kind of help him build the relationship with the players, um, and there was no one there to kind of to step up. Now we're going to bring someone like that in. Names that have been put about, um, Fergal Harkin is probably the biggest one, um, that, well, the one that's got the most kind of rumour to it because of his connection with uh, the Desmonds. Um, I think his pals was at Ross Desmond, the, the person that's so, yeah. allegedly coming onto the board in the summer as part of the revamp. So I think that will determine who we bring in. I don't think in that sense we'll go for someone like a, a Ralph Ranić, like a Roberto Martinez, like a Rafa Benitez for that case. But I could see someone like Eddie Howe stepping into that role. The only problem you've got there is I feel as though, and I've heard it from someone that is very well connected, that Bournemouth is really family rooted down there and it would take a lot for him to, to make that step up to Celtic. But the opportunity is there for you to basically rebuild, remould a team. Absolutely, sorry. Think? Yeah, it's um, it is. It's a it's a lucrative sort of job, and I think um, I think you're spot on there. I think if I was sort of comfortable down there, that is a big uproot and um, uplifting of life. I think it's probably more to Martinez. You see him start to dart about the country um, or different countries. He's obviously he's in the Belgian role, but he's doing punditry down south. He's obviously played up here as well. So there's a, there's that little connection. Um, <sighs> It is, like you say, it is, of course, it's Celtic, it's a lucrative job, of course it is. Um, again, it's just, I think it's hard right now. Um, I think I think I've just really clicked in that John Kennedy's sorry in charge for this weekend, and it's taken um, and just all the emotions of yeah, Lennon's away, but oh, Kennedy's still in charge, is still, just still sort of mulling over me. Um, what, what do you reckon? I don't know. I mean, on the Martinez thing, if you're going to go for the director of football, you're going to go for the sporting director. I think there's more chance of getting Maloney and having him moulded by a director of football than bringing in someone who obviously has the, the managerial experience, has done it at some big clubs down south. I, I can't see him not having the full control over the club unless it's someone that he's really well connected about. Like If it's someone that he's really friendly with, um, and he's worked with him before, then perhaps that would be the thing. But it doesn't really seem to be the case. So I think it could be someone like a Sean Maloney, like a younger coach. But then is that enough for the fans? Is that enough to turn a lot of these fans that have said, and to be honest, I'll be honest, I was personally one of them, that if Neil Lennon was still in charge at the start of next season, I'd be seriously reconsidering 
whether to renew or not. Now, is that enough for fans to get someone like Sean Maloney in? Is it all about having the the experienced head above him? Is that enough to win the fans back over? That's a question to put out there, isn't it? I put that out to everyone that's watching. What what do you need from the Celtic board going forward? What do you want to see going forward? Who do you want in? And what is the level that you start to feel encouraged for next season by? Because at the minute, there is no way that you can see John Kennedy taking that team forward next season. No. We all said at the time, he needs to go alongside Strachan to have a complete restart. Surely it can't be that um, Kennedy sees through four managers. So it's a lot. Um, I think there's a few comments coming in. I don't dislike John Kennedy. I certainly don't. Um, John Kennedy's testimonial was the first game. Um, at, so was it a Celtic Park? I don't dislike him, but I just there has to be there has to be something. He has to be culpable as well. He's he's part of the team, um, and I'm after a total rebuild here. Um, and if Lennon goes, then I think his team also goes, and that's including Gordon um, Gordon Strachan, Gavin Strachan as well. So no, I don't dislike Kennedy, but do I want to see him in charge? No. So I'm just looking at some of the comments coming in here, um, some names that is being suggested. There's, there's actually quite a few. Uh, I'm just trying to pick some of them up. Brian Watt, absolutely no connection, no favouritism. It isn't as if Paul's hosting, because you know sometimes he picks his favourites apparently. Wouldn't be surprised if it ends up with some kind of combo, Maloney, Kennedy and Brown. I don't know. Brown, I think, would still be a good one to keep in amongst the squad, but I don't know if he would be there as a sort of player coach. Again, no experience there, but maybe the director of football um, would take that role. Uh, I'm just trying to look here. Red Scotland coming in saying, after recent events, the last thing we need is a rookie manager. Absolutely. Uh, Stephen Colfart coming in. I'm not sure how serious this is. Frank Lampard. Uh, I wouldn't be for Frank Lampard no, not at all St. Kovic's coming in saying big name from the board, we're Celtic, a massive club Benitez said it from the start I, I agree getting in the big name but I just don't think someone like Benitez wants to work under the director of football you saw the relationship that he had with Mike Ashley at Newcastle, he wanted complete control and that was one of the reasons behind why he left yeah, absolutely. Um, it is. It's a tough one because, like you say, there are certain managers there that will want total control, but there's certain managers that won't. Um, and it is. It's a real catch twenty two right now. It's a really difficult thing to try and answer as well because every manager is different. Again, right now, do I think it'll work at Celtic? I personally, don't. Like you say, maybe under Dyla, yeah, it looked right. But would you say under Rodgers it looked right? No. Um, so it's hard right now because obviously you're just chucking any names sort of around the cauldron and who's free, who's not. But again, this could change by this time next week. These guys could be swept up. But then you could have, I don't know, Roy Hodgson could be free. And I'm not saying I want Roy Hodgson. But it's, if you're talking about his job um, up for grabs, then I mean, it's a cycle. It is a cycle. And that's what football management is. So, yeah, it's hard to, to predict. And you, you want you don't want to um, you don't want to get too committed to the idea of, like you say, Eddie Howe. Um, and I think Tony Haggett put it spot on earlier. You don't want a disappointment. You want an appointment. And I think that's um, that's a great statement. It's a name that's coming up several times, and it's Steve Clark. This is David McMillan that's brought it up. Also got Ewan Boy Martin here saying Clark and Maloney. 
And I think it was part of the discussion this morning um, that potentially we could be looking at a manager who is already going to be going to the Euros. And Paul worked it out. I think there's maybe 10 days between the Euros finishing and the first European qualifier taking place. I think what you need is you need someone to come in now, as soon as possible to come in, because they're going to need the full pre-season. You look at the amount of players that could be potentially leaving Celtic this season, you're talking sort of 14 14 to 16 players that could be leaving. You've got the four loan signings, um, plus other guys like uh, Ayer, like Eddie, that could be potentially going for, for some decent money. And those that their contracts are running out, Scott Brown's contracts out in the summer. There doesn't even seem to be a discussion that we could be extending that. So you need someone to come in as soon as possible. Look at the slate, look at what he's got in front of him. Even if he's not managing the team, I wouldn't be against the guy who's going to be coming in next season. Just coming in as a consultant between now and then. Just taking a look at the squad, looking at what John Kennedy can do as a coach to see if he does want him as part of his coaching team. I mean, he might have his... I expect the the new manager to come in to have his own coaching team. But he might still want someone that's got that Celtic connection. So you'll be able to oversee what's happening between now and the end of the season. And then when the season finishes, he's there, day one. He can come in and he can start making the moves. He's seen what the players can do for the last eight games. The players know that he's watching them. I think that the, the move is to do it now, even if it is John Kennedy coaching the team between now and the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I meant when I touched upon earlier, that you're wanting the club to be acting now. If it be Eddie how you're saying, right, come up to games, come up and see us, um, and sort of tie tie them down in theory. Um, I know that sort of doesn't work out recently if you look at like the Davies deal, but you'd... Um, you sort of just make it a little bit tighter. But yeah, that, that's the way that we have to approach it because, like I say, these guys are going to be swept up. Again, similarly to Clark, that's what I was referring to earlier with Martinez. It's going to be tough with a tournament summer getting a guy in a in a manage, in a international role because um, right now that's their priority. Again, if, if they'll be tough, obviously, if you start touting about Steve Clark, there will be that whole, oh, right, well, then he's just going to select a bunch of Celtic players, X, Y, and Z. Um, and again, Steve Clark, his name's been chucked about forever. Um, will he come back? And I said that last week. I think it's more if Clark will come back to Celtic rather than Celtic one and Clark. Um, and I know that's not ideal to say, and I, I did receive a little bit of backlash for that. But I mean, in the sense that does he want to come right back into the cauldron that he said that he so wanted to get his family away from. Personally, that's a, for him personally, sorry, that's a really big um, a contributing factor. You can't tell me that he wouldn't want to obviously try and stop Rangers, halt Rangers, um, get one above Rangers again. His record against them is absolutely um, phenomenal, especially given the side that, that he managed to build at Kilmarnock. Um So yeah, absolutely. It is, it's, it's a tough summer tournament. Summers always are. Um so it's not an ideal time, but yeah, like you say, you've got to be hoping that right now the board are acting and something is going on behind the scenes um, and that there is somebody in theory in place lurking around at least and having a look at like, right, do I want this squad, like you say, and do I want this management side? One of the big things that's really annoyed me about this season is there's a lot of this that could have been completely avoided. If the, if the move had been made earlier, who knows what would have actually came out of this season? You take a look at Livingston bringing in David Martindale and they went on a fantastic run. I think it was it two months in a row that he was the manager of the month. 
Um, and he put together a really good side. And there's been so many times this season where we could have done it. I think after the Sparta-Prague game, there was something like 10 days because we had an international break. After the first Rangers game, it was an international break as well. And then the, you had the Dubai fiasco. There's been several times this season where if we'd made that move, it could have been done. But the overriding problem we had at the club this season was sentimentality. There was this, we're going for the quadruple treble. We've just won nine in a row. Uh, we, we have to give the manager the chance to, to lead us out to the quadruple treble. And <laughs> that's what's cost us this season. Living in the past is what's cost us this season. And the fact that we've still got someone like Kennedy in shows that there is still a bit of sentimentality because he's been here for so long. He's seen it through so many managers. Now, he could be a fantastic coach, and I'm sure that he is. I'm sure there is people out there that say he's, he's brilliant. But we, we, need a, we need a fresh start. We need a complete fresh start. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> it just goes back to the question, why now? Why? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've touched on it there this season has totally been sentimentality it absolutely has been it was all right Neil can see the quadruple treble like saying Neil can start the 10 finish the 10 well that sentimentality has been thrown right out the window and then you sort of go so why now It's we thought the theme of sentimentality was 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 going but that's just totally and utterly been abolished um, there's no real sentiment here I think the club have really hung them out to dry um, and I think like I say I've said it time and time again they sound like a broken record but I think his backroom staff have hung them out to dry they've stayed on and it is just sort of Lennon walks by himself um, there's lots of real lack of unity there's like I say there's just issues obviously I didn't I didn't particularly like um Lowell's comments in the statement saying, all right, I'm standing by Neil. Well, you're not really. You sent him out. Obviously, he's done the press conference. He's sorry, we can make out. John Kennedy's only really stepped up in the latter stages. He's maybe done two or three. Not enough, in my opinion. And it really has been the only source of communication has been Neil Lennon. Now, no matter how sort of volatile that's been and how easy it is to disconnect to those press conferences, he has been the only man coming out and facing the fans um, and facing the media. So... Yeah, he really has been hung, hung out to dry, I feel. The club, everything's just so backhanded that in the sense that like, there's Dominic Mackay coming in, managed to keep that under wraps. Lowell leaving, that was all done under wraps and everything was done protocol-wise. But then you look now and Lennon gets leaked the night before. That's not an easy sleep for Neil Lennon last night. That's a horrible, horrible night. Um, no matter how whoever leaked it, um, obviously, like you say, McGowan is, is close with Lennon. But that's by the by. It's one of those things that you know you're waking up the next game morning and really you, you've got people last night sitting... God knows all what we all were on Twitter late last night thinking, will it, will it break before morning? Um, but everyone's jumping on that bandwagon. And no matter what, if he's on social media or if he's not, you're going to see that that hate. Um, and it was there and it was evident. And uh, you sort of have to hope, obviously, that there's a, a portion of the fans that maybe regret some of the immediate emotions last night. And of course, we all want to find it out. But at the end of the day, he's a man, he's lost his job, he's... Yeah, a lot he's done wrong, and I'm not trying to stick up for him because he's done a lot wrong this season. But he he has done a lot of good for the club as well, and I'm I'm trying to act devil's advocate here. Um, but no, it's been he really has been hung out to dry. Um, so yeah, I think there's, it's been a very tough twenty four hours for the man. Alan Robertson bringing up the point. No, it's been the theme of the show. Why now? Why today? 
and he's coming out saying season ticket renewals. Now, that generally wouldn't surprise me. It's something that we have discussed on this show before, is that Celtic were going to wait until the season ticket renewals came out to make a decision. Um, and if you look at the statement that came out, there was comments from Peter Lowell and there was also comments from Dermot Desmond, both of them saying thank you to Neil for everything that he's done at the club. He's had great success. He's a Celtic man through and through um, and he goes out as a Celtic legend. This isn't my words, by the way. This is the words of Peter Lowell and Dermot Desmond. So you can obviously feel the emotions that they had towards him. But the disconnect from the club to the fans this season has never been more evident. You take a look at what's happened, some of the the protests outside the club, uh, the Green Brigade, the boys group, the amount of uh, groups that are now forming to make sure that they've got a say in how our clubs run. Um, I'm thinking of the Celtic Trust, there's Celts in the stand. There's so many different groups and they all seem to be coming together now to try and get more say in how the clubs run. There has never been a point, probably since... 93, 94, when the first movement to remove the board happened, that there's been such a disconnect from the the fans and the board this season and the fans in the club. When you, you take a, a, a look at it, how much have you actually heard from Celtic this season? We're both season ticket holders, we both go to the games, and the only time I've heard from Celtic this season was either to punt merchandise or the survey that came out, what was that kind of September, October time, yeah. asking. Would you ditch your pals to get back into the ground? Would you ditch your family to get back into the ground? Uh, what, what do we need to do to get you back in? It's always ever been the communication from the club is, uh, we need your money, we uh, we need this, we need that. And even when it came to the point where everybody knew that Neil Lennon had to go, the statement came out saying, just get behind them. Just just do, just do get behind them. By the way, there's a sale on in the superstore, 15% off everything that's Adidas. So uh, it doesn't surprise me if, we're sitting here next week and go, oh, there's a renewal forms out. And it's the only reason they took action. I think as yeah. well, when you look at it, when, when fans realised that they could get the refund for last season, um, and by the way, anyone that hasn't done it, if you still want to do it, you do have, I think it's a five-year period to claim your refund for last season, um, get in touch with the club to do that. That's when they act. It always seems to come back to money. Absolutely. Um, and again, I think that's a great point. Obviously, like you say, season ticket renewal is coming up. But in that sense, though, it's it's one of those ones that you're like, well, there's no real step forward. Um, Kennedy's obviously in charge, and I'm not saying that Neil Lennon goes last night and this morning I am expecting Eddie Howe to be announced at X, Y, and Z. Like, I'm not that stupid. But do you really, would you really renew your season ticket in the sense that you're still sort of in a little bit of the unknown. Obviously, it's not Lennon, but who could it be? It could be a disappointment. Who knows? It could, and no disrespect, I'm not saying that Jack Cross would be a disappointment, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not exactly the lucrative high-end manager that we're all sort of... He's, he's not a Benitez, he's not a Martinez. Um, he's Jack Cross. These things are are possible um, and I know there's always always that danger every year it's not just this year that you have, you don't really ever know who's going to be in charge at the start and next season but it's just a real low period sort of sort of time That is basically what we're working in now you're in this sort of purgatory period um, I think 
everyone will agree that you can't wait for this season to end. But what you do need is you need someone with a, a kind of name, someone that will get the fans behind them, something to look forward to for next season. I mean, as much as uh, Neil Lennon and Celtic sort of won that period and you've got the nine in a row, there was never really a point from when Stephen Gerrard was appointed at Rangers where Rangers fans weren't looking forward to things. Yes, it, there was a period sort of towards the, the middle of last season where there was a bit of a movement that suggested they kind of wanted them out. But look at it now. There's all, I, I think 95% of the time Rangers fans have loved the fact that Stephen Gerrard's been in charge of them and he's always kind of given them that confidence. That's, that's what we need. We need someone to come in and give us confidence so that we know in May we aren't going to be lifting that title. But there is something that says, but just wait till August. Just wait till we can get in there. Just wait because we're really looking forward to next season. We have the right guy in charge and we know that he's given full control this summer and we're just, we can't wait to get back into the grounds. That's what we need. That's the kind of appointment we need. Um, and honestly, I, I can't wait till August because this season will be completely over. That's all I can say right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think most fans are obviously in the same sort of boat. Um, like you say, though, obviously it did teach Jared a few years to get there. Are we all really willing to wait those few years? I don't think so. And I think that's the reason why we don't want a Lampard. We don't want a... I don't know, I'm alone coming straight in just on his own. It needs to be, there needs to be a bit of experience um, who can get, get the job done pretty quickly and can act fast. Not really got time to, to be a bystander. And that's that's where we've been this season because we haven't got into the grounds. We, we have been bystanders, we have been customers to an extent. Uh, just going back on the point I was making about this, this season um, and the, the communication from the club, I'm not deliberately having a go at the club for trying to pass on merchandise all the time because you realise they do have to make money they, they do have to keep the business turning over but there's also so many other things that they could be doing for fans you look at the partnerships that they've got with certain charities things like the food banks, things like the mental health charities and everyone has been struggling this year if you, if you haven't been struggling personally, you will know someone who's struggled either with their mental health, with perhaps having lost a job, um, the fact that money's now tighter, um, or different things like that, of people that's been ill. Celtic have got all these connections. They, they pride themselves on having these charity partners. Surely there should have been some communication from the club this season just to say, look, if you are struggling, speak to X. If you need help with that, contact Y. But it's, it's just never been that this season. And I don't know. It's one that we'll look to put in the, the annals of the history. Um, bury it right underneath, six foot below, scrap it, start again. It's just been a complete disaster from start to finish. Here, here. I like when you go on a wee rant. I quite enjoy it. Just on you go. <laughs> um, what, what do you think? Should the club have done more? this season. Oh, absolutely. Um, God, there's nobody going to deny that. It's been an absolute embarrassment. It really has um, in every sense. Like you say, if it be food banks, it's always somebody else that's doing it. It's never coming directly from the club. Um, if it be, like you say, 
just any sort of communication, just like, are you okay? You never know that there's a global pandemic going on um, and they've not got 50 odd thousand fans and we can make out you just, even they're not even really going, is the stream okay? Because no, the stream is not okay. Um, there's just no sort of, um, there's just no, they're not really checking in. Like you say, they're, they're that bad pal that's just sort of, just concentrating on themselves. They're riding high in the pandemic. Yeah, whoopie do, we're doing okay. But do we really care about anybody else? Nah, we're um, we're doing all right, Jack. I'm not really sure about yourself. It's it's something that I'll never forget is the way that fans have been treated this season. Um, because you just know as soon as the, the, the turnstiles reopen again, they can't wait to get you back in. They can't wait to get the, the pie money off you, the programme money off you. Have you ever read the digital programme that gets sent out as part of your season ticket? No. That's the additional value. What Fans should be rewarded for this season. I mean, we understand that, yeah, okay, it's unlikely we're going to get in the grounds. I, I'm jealous of the English. The, the English could potentially be in the grounds for the last game of the season. Okay, football's been terrible this year. But just having that experience of going back to the ground, starting to get back to that sort of uh, normality, it would be heaven sent. It would do so much for people's mental health just to have that idea of being in the grounds. You miss going to the pub with your pals. You miss having the arguments on the supporters bus. Um, Anybody that's been on the the Greenock supporters bus will know what it's like coming back from an away game with some of the, the outspoken views that's on that. And I'm sure that is the same across all the supporters buses. I mean, Sunday night in Dingwall, a seven o'clock kickoff. Can you imagine some of the, the states that you'd have seen when you got up there? It's a joke. Losing this, lo- losing this season um, has been horrible for everyone. And all you want is a fresh start next year, something that you can look forward to um, and you can completely forget about this season and move on. And again, this feels like we're going on a rant, but this is the end of an era now. Neil Lennon is gone. Peter Lawwell is moving on. And we're looking to the future. And you just want the future to be now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Because as you say... Yeah, like, I'm not trying to dampen the mood, but of course the the, real, the rebuild is coming and it is a new chapter. But right now, it's, it is still that question and it's going to be lurking for a wee while. Why now? Um, again, I'm just going back. I really am receiving. I don't hate John Kennedy. Um, but if he was such a great coach, if he was so fantastic and Peter Lowell had the confidence in him, then he'd have... Then, then he'd have been in charge before now. Um, and it wouldn't have been down to eight games. Then they'd have had the confidence to get rid of Lennon. They knew that was the right move. They'll obviously have because it's happened now. But um, yeah, let's just ride out these eight games and then, like you say, kick on for next season and hopefully a little bit of, a little bit of joy again. So with the eight seasons to go, uh, the eight seasons to go, sorry, the eight games to go for the rest of this season. <laughs> what what are you looking for? Like what are you looking for from Kennedy over these eight games? What do you need to see? I'm not suggesting that you'll be given the job full time, but what would you like to see from him to say that's a job well done? Probably a little bit of consistency. Like you say, I, um, it was a wee while ago, it was 33 different formations. I don't know how many it is now. Is it probably about 35, 36 different ones? Um, 
a little bit of consistency, I think, as people are saying, obviously, we've touched upon you would like the youth to be coming in. Um, but there is obviously two games in Rangers and you don't just want them to to just go under under notice. Of course, you want to do well in those in those fixtures, as, as in every fixture. So, yeah, a little bit of consistency, a little bit of togetherness. Maybe your club vice captain coming out after the game and admitting that, yeah, we actually had a game plan and we had we knew what we were doing. Um, and that's not a dig at Callum McGregor. That's a dig at the management and knowing, setting out a game plan. It'd be nice if they could honestly come out and say, yeah, we knew what we were doing and we managed to execute the game plan that we were given. Um, so, yeah, to be honest, probably just a little bit of normality. Everything that you would have liked to have expected that was going on, that we've obviously it's now transpired it wasn't, it'd be nice to see some tactics, see David Turnbull not being played out of position, see Stephen Welsh um, have a have a little run, have, see a Yeti have a run. I don't, I don't know. Just, like you see, just something that I'd like a starting 11 to come out and not, one, not understand it, and two, cry at it. Um, you're looking like you say at the weekend they're playing two up top but with three strikers on the bench I don't want to see that it's maybe more the case what I don't want to see than compared to what I do want to see Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah just something something to smile at would be nice the first thing just on that if you see the team sheet put it in the order that they're going to play (laughs) that's all I ask for see when you look at this and you go yeah you, you look at it when it comes out on Twitter or Instagram or wherever you see it and you go what kind of formation are we playing today? Who's playing? And you've got to go through it. Just put it out in the order that they play. Goalkeeper, right back, centre backs, right the way down. Uh, Charles Sweeney coming in and just saying, must be depressing driving back to Greenock, anticipating the rain. I've not looked outside, but it does look as if it's dried up a bit. But yeah, Greenock is famous for the rain. What I want to see from the end of this season is two victories against Rangers, if you can. There's two games left against them. Uh, it's not going to have any meaning and how the season's going to end out but doing that surely gets the fans back behind you gives them something to look forward to for the rest of the season having two games against your biggest rivals we've been outplayed by them um, a number of times this season probably right up until the game at New Year um, and then obviously what happened when your beat on happened but you just want to get a couple of victories over them that would probably put me in a good stead to look forward to next season. Absolutely. Um, it is. It's bragging rights. You've looked the last few years. We've not actually won the last game against Rangers at the tail end of the season, but they have that bragging right. Of course, then we go, yeah, but we've won the, we've won the league and the league's the main deal and it's the consistency and best team wins the league and that's going to happen this season. The best team of this season will win the league. But of course, you, there's, there's that little dig that you can say, yeah, but we won the last Celtic Rangers game. Um, and we've not felt that feeling for a wee while so yeah I'm absolutely in the same boat as you and everybody of course would want that but um, yeah two two wins against Rangers would, would certainly maybe not soften the blow but it would just make us going into the summer a little bit nicer eh? Hayley and Paddy coming in saying giving the job to Colin and Amy for eight games we'll get Kevin Graham in as director of football he can give us a, a cracking team talk but yeah, look, eight games to go between now and the end of the season. It is not quite a fresh start just yet, but we will look on Saturday and see that Neil Lennon is not in the dugout. It will be John Kennedy. I wonder if there will be a, a step up from someone um, to have the sort of three-man team uh, in the dugout. I, I wonder if maybe someone like Steve McManus or Darren Day will step up. 
if it's starting a day, that would be great because that means he's not on commentary for the weekend. Um, <laughs> I know he's a bit marmite with a lot of people, but I'm on the side that I can't go home on commentary. Um, but yeah, we're looking forward to the season. A Celtic State of Mind will still be here. We'll continue to um, bring you pre-half-time uh, pre and post-match coverage. Uh, we'll be here five to six days a week um, on the bulletin. There's some fantastic footage coming up um, and some fantastic interviews coming up in the next few days. Amy, I believe you're back at the weekend with a software supernova. Who's on yeah, the show this week? Sorry. Uh, who is on the show this week? It's David Duke um, from Street Soccer Scotland. Um, it was actually the first interview that um, we've done and he's absolutely terrific. His story's fantastic. Um, he's won the Homeless World Cup, so maybe he can give, um, with Scotland, they can give Stevie Clark a few tips for the World Cup in a few years. But um, no, he's a terrific, uh, it was a terrific chat. Um, we've got a few other ex-Celtic players lined up. So yeah, things are going well. So aye, you've, you've got on Friday, you've, um, we missed the insomnia today, didn't we? Yeah, so unfortunately the Neil Lennon departure meant that the football insomniac, which is usually on before this, um, has been rescheduled to Friday. So Friday 11 o'clock, I'll be joined by Clyde One Super Scoreboard's Alison Conroy. So if you get any questions for um, for her, get in touch with me and we'll, we'll get them to you. Tomorrow, Paul has some fantastic guests lined up on a Celtic State of Mind. He's also back hosting. Um He's, he's back with, I'm trying to think who's on, it's JP and Declan that's on on a Thursday. Um, and Laura will be back hosting on Friday alongside Jim, Anthony, um, not Jim and Anthony, that's it. And we'll be back for the game on Saturday, a Celtic look to the future with John Kennedy in charge between now and the end of the season. But this has been Wednesday, it's been the Axom Lunchtime Bulletin. Take care to everyone and we will see you again very soon. What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything, but losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? 
Just stop. This is a 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.